Attention radio listeners. Oh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Beheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York playing at uh, Roosevelt Bowie. It's the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. Welcome into hour number two of Centers of Attention. Seth Goldberg in for Pauly Sibilia once again, along with Atan Thomas and Roosevelt Bowie. And uh, guys, the, the morning after a win is always nice, isn't it? Well, definitely. I mean, we could take him anytime we could get him. So, but they they played well yesterday. Um, man, Sadibe almost had another double double. I was happy to see him playing well, and he was a little bit more aggressive, pushing people around and everything like that, fighting for rebounds. So, they played well overall. Yeah, you tired? Wasn't it they said they weren't big enough, weren't strong enough to play in the center? Uh, I, I don't remember yeah. correctly. And it's it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful to have him perform like that, so everybody understands that. When you decide to do something, just just put it in your mind and go out and do it. He's playing like a beast. Yeah, it really is. And and you know, you look at last night's game and Boston College was down a big man and it allowed, you know, and not that this is the reason why Barama played well. He's been playing well the last couple of games, but you you could really see that he was taking advantage of the fact that, you know, that that Boston College interior um well, it was kind of missing somebody and he was able to impose his will even a little bit more, maybe. I mean, he looks like he's in a rhythm right now, just overall. Even the North Carolina game, when I got to see him in person, he looked like a very comfortable rhythm. Um, and they had all their big guys, you know, and he was blocking all their shots and grabbing all the rebounds and fighting for all the rebounds and pushing. I mean, that's that's what he needs to do. And it's, it's just great seeing him um, be in that comfortable groove. And sometimes it takes – because, you know, when you're, when you're playing and you're being yo-yoed, it's called yo-yoed. So to uh, explain to everybody what that means is that you're in the game, then you get taken out. Then you get put back in for a little while, then you get taken out, first mistake you make. Then you get put in so, – so it might look like you played a lot of minutes, but really you've been yo-yoed. So it's hard to really be productive in that type of a situation. And that's what I saw him, you know, being in earlier in the season. But it's, it's good to just ha- see him have a comfortable groove and just comfortably play out there. Yeah, his uh, you know, when when I watched him play, I started noticing at the especially in the UNC when that little pass they they do an inbound pass that he catches and they, and they normally hand it off for a three point shot. Where they played the three point shot, he caught that ball, brought it down, put it on the floor, and went in and tried to pull the basket down. That went oh, <laughs> yeah. that was that was him. new, yeah. <laughs> But he yeah, did. I love he, seeing he it. He was just in the groove. He was in the groove. He's like rolling downhill. He was gone. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's been great recently, and it's it's certainly helped this team. And, and when you look around last night, uh, you know, when Elijah Hughes does what he did in the first half, putting up nearly his season average in the first half, and, and he got hot and, you know, goes for almost 30 points. And when Buddy puts up 20-plus, uh, you know, along with Barama doing what he did, this team has a lot of offense, and, and you saw that last night putting up 84 points. Well, one thing that I liked seeing from Elijah Hughes, um, I think the commentators uh, said something about it. They made a reference to it. Is you know he passed up an open shot to swing the ball to who was it? Uh, it was somebody, and then they drove to the lane. Then he passed up another open shot to pass it into Jesse. Um, that was great to see. So he's he wasn't trying to stat build. 
um, at the end, you know, because sometimes, you know, he's he's the leading scorer of the ACC or neck and neck or whatever. So he could have used this time to really try to just build his stats and pad them and take every shot. But that's not what he was doing. And that just really shows a lot to his character. So that, that was that was that was really great to see. Yeah, that you know, Elijah Hughes, I was going to tell you, he gets he scored. That was probably the easiest 28 points I've seen in my life. He just looks like he's he almost makes it look too easy. And I, I will have to agree. I, I uh, big kudos to him when he went when he drove to the basket. He could have padded his, his stats. He dropped that off. He dropped it off to Jesse. He he makes everybody better. He makes everybody want to play with him. And I, I, I can appreciate that. And I love that about a player. You know, Atan, you mentioned the uh, the scoring leader neck and neck or, or whatever. He's a full point better than Jordan Nawara, who's in second place at this point. So that that seems to be pretty well settled, uh, you know, with one game left in the season for both of them. Yeah, but, you know, even in that situation, just to seal the deal, I mean, many players would have started padding their stats. I mean, because anything can happen in the game. I mean, maybe that's a game that, that he doesn't necessarily play as much because maybe they're winning by a lot. And, you know, if he scores a lot and, you know, Elijah doesn't play, you know, anything could happen. But he it looked like he wasn't thinking about any of that. He was just trying to get everybody involved. And then having Jesse come in and, you know, he doesn't play a lot of minutes and he's passing up a shot to give to somebody who usually doesn't play. And then swinging the ball, it was to Quincy. That's what I was thinking. About he swung the ball to Quincy and then Quincy drove the lane and didn't score, but he, he wasn't like you know pouting or you know fussing at him or anything like that. He clapped his hand because I, I pay attention to the body language and like you yep. said, Rosie, how people respond and how they interact with their teammates. That, that, that's a big thing because um, sometimes with the leading scorer, the person who's scoring all the points, you know, guys could have body language where if they take a shot, then it's like and they miss. It's like, oh, Lord, they've done something, you know, incredibly wrong. But he didn't do that. He was clapping for him, even though that he missed it, like you'll get the next one. And it takes that means something when your leader, when your main scorer is having that kind of relationship with you. And that is the main reason why we need to have him come back to build on his <laughs> legacy, because with a leader like that, I only see great things in the future. You know, Very you, true. You mentioned a couple of times the leadership and, and passing up the open shot. We've seen that a lot from Elijah this year. And, and, you know, when you're looking at how he fits at the next level, when you're looking at how he fits as an NBA player, um, that's one of those things that I would feel like fits in pretty well as a pro, right? Kind of knowing your role and, um, you know, understanding when to get your shots and, and when's the best time to get somebody else theirs, right? Well, definitely. I mean, you want a team player. You want a player that can definitely score at a high level, but that one that's not going to alienate whoever it is who's who's the star. I mean, one of the criticisms of Deion Waiters, you know, that we heard from team to team was that he, he never deferred to anybody, even though when the other person was the clear star. And everybody knew that he could score at will. You know what I mean? Just like everybody knows that Elijah Hughes could score at will. But but having the reputation reputation is everything in the league. I mean, once they once you get a rep that your X, Y, or Z, it's like it just sticks with you. It's like like before when Melo had the rep that he was not a good teammate and everybody just bought it. And nobody wanted to touch him. So if it wasn't for Portland, he still wouldn't. You know what I mean? Be, have been picked up because that bad rep just kind of spread. So with Elijah Hughes, he has a good rep that's spreading. And that's a good thing. So he keeps building on that and keeps that up. And he has to just know, you know, somebody has to be explaining to him that this is what's happening. And he has a good rep. He just has to keep it going because just as much as you have a good rep, you can have a bad rep. You know, the funny thing is my uh, I've got four sisters. So my my sister calls me. She's been following basketball since, you know, through high school, through Syracuse. And she attended Syracuse. She calls me. She's all distraught. She says, 
uh, Roosevelt, you've got to talk to your nephew. And I was like, why is that? She goes, because your nephew shoots the ball all the time. And he was, <laughs> he was seven or eight years old. So I get on the phone. I'm all, I was like, yes, I, I, will, I will talk to him. I, uh, I get him over the corner. I put my arm around his shoulder. And I say, Christopher, keep shooting. Uncle will teach you how to pass next year. <laughs> that was the advice, Rosie. <laughs> I, I said, I said, I can't. You know, you, to get a shooter's mentality is one thing, but once you mm-hmm. can make a shot, then you can go. I wanted to expand on his ability to get everybody involved, but you know, you, you wanted him to get that part straight first. Like, get, get that part get, straight, then we go to the next part. Don't be scared. So you're saying don't be scared to shoot and figure out the rest of it later rather than figure out the rest and then learn how to take your shot. Well, what I, what I found out is the offensive part is, is really tough. So if he could get that out of the way ahead of time, then you can break it down and show him how to play defense, show him how to get his teammates involved and make everybody a good scorer. <laughs> All right, that's one strategy. All right, fair enough. I like it. That's a that's a good idea. Uh, we got a uh, we got a couple of guests coming up. We got Bykeda, former Syracuse basketball player, uh, joining us in just a couple of minutes. Then Brandon Scoopsby Robinson coming up to uh, talk Knicks at about eleven thirty. Uh, so let's take a timeout. We got By coming up next here on Centers of Attention on ESPN Radio and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN ninety seven point seven and one. 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. Back here on ESPN Radio, we are brought to you by Joe Bowers Farmer Insur- Farmers Insurance in North Syracuse. Seth Goldberg, Aton Thomas, Roosevelt Bowie with you, and we head to the Burdick Toyota guest line for our first guest on today's show. He is a former Syracuse basketball center. Uh, here's where Paulie inserts the joke of the show keeps getting taller and taller as we bring on guests. Uh, we got Baikita on the line with us. Bai, how are you? Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you, Paulie. Hey, it was great seeing you uh, at the at the game Saturday, bumping into you, seeing you there. We was all there celebrating John Wallace's uh, you know, retirement. And it, w- it was great us walking out to half court and getting a reception from the crowd. Tell me about how you felt with that, because as soon as we announced that you was going to be our guest, our, our Twitter or Twitch feed started lighting up. So people, people love you. So how did, how did that feel to get back in there and feel that love? Like, I, I, I was like, I don't know who I was telling you, telling him, like, I saw myself into someone. And I'm like, there's something about the carrier dome that's different than any arena you played into. I'm like, even mm-hmm. playing, played professionally two years in Europe, probably you guys played in the NBA arena. I'm like, there's a different feeling about the carrier dome. Like, everyone is in just like the sense of community. I think, like, that's, that's what circus have that like most places don't have and people like to this day I mean, I keep making the joke. I was like Circus was the only college I visited and I'm like, that's the right one. People were like, Why? I'm like it just like I felt like it was the right place because I just feel like I'm from Senegal and you know African culture is mostly about the community, the sense of family, like everybody mm-hmm. taking care of each other. And the sort of step on campus, that's how I felt. So I was, I was like, I'm like, it's just every time I go back, it's just I have like, you know, everybody's welcoming, everybody's like nice to you. And I'm like, it doesn't go away. So it's like you kind of pay your dues, but you're always going to receive something from the community. Well, you know what, by the, the crazy thing about it is once I finished at Syracuse, I thought that, okay, I've done that. I'm going to move on. They'll forget about who I was. And so I, w- and I literally was gone for almost 20 years. 
And when I retired and came back home, I, I walked into the banquet, and there were over 800 people there. I almost, I, I could not believe they hadn't even heard Roosevelt Bowie for 20 years. And I walked in there, and it was, so it's not just the arena, it's the people themselves. They, once you go there, they will, they'll, they'll never forget you. And, and uh, hey, I'm, one of your, I'm one of your big fans, too, because uh, I like the way you play the post. Everybody talks about how you're too small, how you, you, know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Good thing that we don't listen to that kind of thing. You went out there and you did work. Thank you. No, no problem. You know, it just it just comes with it. I, I think it was like that. Was my motto was like, you know what? If I play five minutes, one minute, like doesn't matter how what amount of time I play, I was gonna give you my hundred and ten percent. Doesn't matter, guy is twenty pounds heavier than me or not. But you know, I'm gonna go in there and show them what the willingness of. Doesn't matter your size or anything. You, if you put your mind into it, there's really nothing like people can can do to stop you. I'm like, there's a lot of hurdles you have to go through just playing the game. From like, I started late, so I have to go through a lot of hurdles just to run the game. So I'm like, I'm not gonna let nothing into the main to me, which is like, that was my motto. So, like I said, playing hard and just like you know, giving my heart out every time I step into the floor. You know, one of the things with big men, you know, and we say this a lot, we're, our, our show is centers of attention, so we play we, we play a lot of attention to big men, and we do that. We're rooting for big men and everything like that. We're taking up for big men because, as you know, big men get all the blame, don't get any of the props, and Sadibe was getting a lot of criticism this whole season, the whole season long. So now he's playing better, and he's, you know, making some headlines, and, you know, he has some people talking good about him and stuff like that, so we've been singing his praises. Talk about watching him and seeing him, you know, pretty r- progress and play better. No, you know, it, it, it started. Like, I think last last year, I think it was just like I can tell him and Pascal was going through it. And you know, if if you've been part of the program, you kind of, you know, kind of. I'm like, I don't want to reach out because I don't know if they need help or not. And then one game, I don't know who they played, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna reach out to them. I reach out to both of them on Instagram. I'm like, hey, you know. Just a couple of pointers. This is just like, I just, you know, just, I'm like, look, I'm here to help. Like, if you want to pick my brain and if I come to campus, like, if you guys want to talk, I'm like here to help because I feel like when I was there, we kind of had like, we had a plethora of bigs. Like, coach could have deep, deep into the line to get a, like someone to play well for us bigs. But with him, like, he's technically our only big currently. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a long wolf. So I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm like, he hasn't reached out. So the past, what, four or five games, I'm like just sending him a message. Hey, good job. You know, keep it up. And like, just like a little motivation. Like, it's kind of nice when I was there, when you guys came back, you know, give a little word of encouragement. I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Time for me to give back, like, give like a pay the pay forward. So like I think just talking to him is tough. You know, I think he's in the spotlight because he's like I say, he's the only big we have. The other big we have is a freshman, so he's kinda of takes some adjustment to do. And you have to learn quick when you like offensively and defensively with our system. You gotta run quick and I think it's like the hump is like takes some people three months, some people takes a year, some people take two years. So it's a learning process. So I think he's he finally like I'm like I keep telling him, I'm like, don't wait. You're waiting too long. He's like, why? I'm like, because I'm like, he's like, if I go up, the four don't drop. And I'm like, look, you have to take some risk. I said, when I play, I just, I'm look, 
we I talked to the guys. I'm like, look, when I go up, if you guys don't drop, that's on you guys. Like, but I'm like, you gotta trust the forward because as mm-hmm. a center, it's like as a, in the center of the zone, like you gotta trust the back line because if you don't trust right. them, everybody is like it's just. I'm like, it's like moving puzzles. If you don't move on puzzle at the right time, everything's gonna collapse. And he's and he looking at me. He's like. Man, you did this a long time. I'm like, but hey, it's, it's in like imprinted in my brain, and I'm like, I took a lot of risk, and I'm like, at the beginning, I got yelled at, but when it worked, it worked perfectly. So he's like, so yesterday I was watching the game, and I see him step up, wonderful big start, like both of the bigs went up. I'm like, the bigs are in the free throw line. What you doing under the basket? And he's like, true. I'm like, just, I'm like, go up. I'm like, it's, it's not, it's not, he's not gonna take you out because like you went up and contest the shot. I'm like, the worst case scenario you're going to do is like, you're going to yell at the older guys, but you did your job. So I think it's, like you say, he just wasn't a spotlight. And I'm glad, you know, he's finally kind of coming out of the, you know, on top, just doing what he's supposed to do. And I'm like, yesterday, I'm like, I wish Coach let you in to get your double-double. That was my, that was a joke this morning. I'm like, I agree. You just- <laughs> <laughs> I agree. He was one point away. You let him get his I'm one like- point. <laughs> I'm like he got two points first half and the second half he grinded out and I'm like let him get like the triple double um, but like I'm like you want to in foul trouble so it's like just get that one point but I think you like to say it's just it's just tough when you you know as a center like I've been through it so and even though when I was there we we've been through it because we we struggle like it's 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 just part of. You know, playing zone. You're gonna struggle offensively. It's kind of tough because you're gonna have to dig it out and find your way to of scoring. But mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, he's finally figuring out like what works for him. I'm like, you know, sometimes there's a system, but you gotta figure out what works for you, and then take it from there and move on. And he's like, it's kind of good also to speak with him, like you know, in French, which is like. Like helps me also because my French is a little broken, but like speak him in French and just try to get him comfortable. I think that's that's the main thing. Just try to make him like, is hey, we we are family. Like as you playing there right now, but I'm not there. As a, I'm not a current player, but we still a family. And you can always reach out. I'm always here, like willing to help. That's great. That's really great. And I mean, you had a really loaded team. I mean, you had Jeremy Grant, CJ Fair, Trevor Cooney, uh, Tyler Anus. I mean, you know, y'all, you had a, a crew, so you had a lot of scores around. So, yeah. you know, um, you mentioned that you were going through it too sometimes because it's big man. You know, if things aren't going right, it's like we get the blame. Like we'll get the ball <laughs> twice, maybe three times. The guards will be shooting, bricking, you know, one for 13, and they'll, they'll keep shooting and it'll be just fine. But we'll miss one shot <laughs> and it'll be like oh we can't throw the ball into the big man you know what i mean and, and we we all went went through that but you you really persevered and like you said when you whenever you got in you just played hard but talk about that process of being able to deal with all that criticism because a lot of people don't know because they weren't in that situation i was in that situation you know what i mean but talk oh, about how how you have to really keep motivating yourself and pushing yourself because all the negativity is coming from everywhere no, like, and I'm like, I, I say, I remember just getting on campus, and I'm like, okay, like, never played, like, I'm like, I'm like, I know I'm a good shooter, but like, I know, like, we have teams of people that can score. I said, what can I do to like help the team win? That doesn't have scoring. I'm like, we got the scoring already. I'm like, you know what? Let me just like be the defensive guy, and everybody was. I'm like, 
I, like I'm like people need to know one thing. Like because you sure kiss big doesn't mean you don't know how to play the game. You don't know how to shoot. You know how to do this. <clears throat> like there's so many. Like I said, there's it's so hard for big playing for the coach behind to like like these the guards always go off. But like when mm-hmm. you miss one shot and like you have the target in your back. But I just realized I'm like you know what I'm just gonna go ahead and like you know there's a lot of criticism. But like with me I'm like you know what. There's always like I always find a way to distress, like take the stress out by like reading a book, like playing games or watching like Discovery Channel, just like something to take me out. Like I didn't didn't even watch ES. Like when we played or something, when I played, I never watched ESPN, no sports show. I just wanted to like be like because you you know we're gonna come up because you're ranked number one. Even though we mm-hmm. won, there's always some criticism. And then like when we play bad, it was like 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 the whole team even the we win they like oh he was a like they always find something negative when I feel like when you play when you're in Syracuse they <laughs> the media and I'm not talking about and Syracuse media all all around the country find something negative to say about us oh they play zone they don't know how to play man so with that too I think Coach Hop was a huge help like mm-hmm. you know he's he goes 500 miles an hour but he always finds time to talk to us like you know, the expectation, what we need to do, like, it, it was, it was kind of a, like, help us be more than, not just be players, but just like, kind of a, like, knowing, like, what we have to do, and not just like, as a player, but what we have to do in the classroom, what we need to do, what, you know, talk to the family, like, we used to come to practice, and just say, hey, did you call your mom? I'm like, what? <laughs> so, which is, but I'm like, hey, like, people don't know that. I'm like, he, he know, like, my parents are in Senegal, so he called, uh, did you talk to your mom? I'm like, as small as those things help me kind of not feel the critic around. Mm. Like, when when it come around, I kind of just, like, a bunch of off of me. I'm like, well, <laughs> there's something else that's going to happen. I feel like when I was there, every year there was something. My freshman year was Fab, second year was Bunny, third year was Jams, Jams. Like, my senior year was okay, there was nothing. But, like, every year there was something, and we had to play through it. Like, so I'm like, it's, my senior year was, like, my, my knee. So every year I had to, like, play with something. But, like, I kind of learned how to, like, just know that when I'm in the court, like, everything I do reflect in and out of the court going to reflect the program. So I'm trying to be the positive image of the program. Like, like you said, it's, it's not going to be easy because there's a lot of, Talk. You're gonna hear a lot of things. Some of the fans gonna be like, "Oh, sure, cause players this, like big zap, big." But like at the end of the day, like we don't play to lose. <laughs> like right. everybody knows that we play to win the game, and we want to, you know, represent the the school and give you the best thing we can. And we don't play to lose. Like nobody wants to play to lose. But like if just some happens, some days things aren't gonna work out. That's how it works sometimes. Hey, well, I like the way that you're that you're carrying on the tradition of big men reaching out to fellow SU big men. You know, we doing the same thing. Roosevelt did the same thing with me. I did it with y'all. You're doing it with Sidibe. And that's the tradition. That's part of being in that that brotherhood, that Syracuse big man brotherhood. That's a special tradition inside the tradition hey. of Syracuse players. So, hey, much respect to you. Uh, we're going to have to have you on the show again sometime, though. But uh, much respect to you, and thanks for coming on today. Oh, no problem, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, bless.
That's Baikita. You uh, you know him from his four years at SU, and uh, we might have to talk about this in the break because I see our next phone line lit up with our next guest. But uh, one game in particular, guys, stands out for me for Bai, and it's uh, it's it was a great performance for the Orange. Uh, but great to catch up with him on the Burdick Toyota guest line. We'll take a timeout. We got Brandon Scoop uh, Scoop B Robinson coming up to talk Knicks after this here on ESPN Radio and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. We're back here on ESPN Radio and continuing on twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Seth Goldberg, Aton Thomas, Roosevelt Bowie with you for hour number two of Centers of Attention. And we head right back to the Verdict Toyota guest line to bring on Brandon Robinson covering the NBA and, uh, Atan said he he he's got to talk Knicks with with Scoop B Robinson. Uh, you know I don't know if you heard yesterday, but Atan went on quite a rant. So thanks for joining us. And uh, Atan, Atan, I'll let you take the floor. Go ahead. Oh my gosh, what's going on, Scoop? I mean, I I've been you know I'm an emotional Knicks fan. You're an emotional Knicks fan growing up and everything like that. We have that in common. I did go on a rant yesterday, but. I'm looking at all this stuff and how they just the Knicks just can't get right. That's just the only way to say it. And they're disrespecting legends and their own legends and how what Spike Lee means to the organization. Just tell me your thoughts because I I was pretty frustrated in looking at that yesterday. I mean, it was disheartening. Uh, thanks for having me as always. Um, good to catch up with you during All-Star break a couple weeks ago. But um, as it relates to the Knicks, um, it, it's disheartening. We're, we're arguing about handshakes. We're arguing about VIP entrances. It's um, it's the most unflattering time of the year. And, um, you know, in the, in the week that they hire Leon Rose as the team president, we're talking about seating with one of the guys that spends the most money on season tickets. They don't they don't pay for season tickets like they used to. From what Spike Lee was detailing, he spends about $300,000 a year on tickets, which adds season tickets, course I, which adds up to three million dollars that he's paid over the course of twenty-eight years. I don't care if he comes from the sky. I don't care <laughs> if he moonwalks to his seat. I don't care if he electric slides. Listen, <laughs> let that man sit down. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, we're talking about an entrance. I'm like, when you're paying that much, you should have your own entrance. You know what I mean? You don't tell. But the thing about so, look, wait, tell us the details of it though, because you know they 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 the the Knicks issued a press release and said that his characterization of everything was incorrect, which is not nobody's surprised that they did. And then you know Spike Lee shot back and said, "Wait a minute, no, that's that's this is what happened. You know, I've been going into this same entrance for I don't know how long. If he's like, if there was something that happened, something that changed, just tell me. Send me an email. He's like, they they call me as soon as you know the direct deposit doesn't hit. You know, so they could have just called me." Did you see all of that? The, <laughs> yes, I think the the part the part that makes him look more right than wrong and makes the Knicks kind of look suspect is the fact that there was video and the word the, the trigger word was Charles Oakley. See, because when that whole Charles Oakley thing happened some years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It made it look like Oakley was wrong, Oakley was crazy, and that Dolan was in the right. This time around, there was video in the act of what was going on. And so from everything that I have heard, everything that I have seen, and, and folks that I have spoken to, 
it seemed to be that there was an issue with the entrance. If the, you know, for those who are listening, when you walk into Madison Square Garden, there's a there's the main entrance, which when you come up Penn Station and then you go through the door, that's there. That's the main entrance that everybody goes in. But then there's a back entrance on 31st. And what you do is there's, there's, two, there's two ways you can go. There's the, there's the entrance where the, where the media goes, and then there's an entrance that's like a VIP entrance that's separate. When you go to Madison Square Garden, when you're trying to get on the court level from the back, you have to get on the elevator. And the elevator takes you to the fifth floor. And basically, Charles was trying to go through the, excuse me, not Charles, I'm sorry. Spike was trying to go through an entrance that was the employee entrance. And the employee entrance and the VIP entrance, they dovetail, but they're not the same thing. And basically, they had an issue with the fact that for years, that was the entrance that he was going to. Um, and basically, as I said before, you pay that much money to go through, to, to, to pay for season tickets, you should be allowed to do what you need to do. Why that particular day? Were they giving him a hard time? I don't know. But I think it's easy to blame Dolan for everything just because that's what Knicks do when they get triggered. I don't know his involvement in it, but he says he didn't shake his hand. But then the Knicks put out a press release that says that they shook hands. The picture was very blurry. I wasn't at that game that night, but what I would like to know is, were those the clothes that he was wearing that night? Was that an old picture? Um, and, and regardless of whether they shook hands or not, that press release didn't need to go out. That should have been a conversation, and I hope there was a conversation on the phone or email between owner but, or management and Spike, because that was petty. But, but hold on, but hold on, hold on. We saw this before, and this is the problem. That after the whole thing happened with Charles Oakley, I was watching it in live, you know, live TV and li- live time. Um, I'm watching it, and I see it happen, and it was minutes later they had the press release that said, you know, that Oakley, they mentioned something about substance abuse, and we hope he gets the help that he needed. And it's just like, whoa, wait a minute. And then you even saw other players like Chris Paul and LeBron James, you know, being upset about the tweet or, you know, in the press release that they, they even read it on air immediately. So this is the way that the Knicks have operated. And then when you talk about, like, why it happens that way, you have to look at the top. Like, you have to start at the top. I mean, you know, and, and I listen, I've talked to John Wallace. You know, I talked to Isaiah Thomas. Every time I say something, you know, they were like, no, you know, James Dolan, not like that. He does a lot in the community. He employs all the former Knicks, everything like that. They told me all those stories. You know, though, right? So so I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's their stories. I'll roll with it. But I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm like, who else are you going to, you know, point to who gives the orders except for the person in the top? I think things are changing. I think that that was the way that the Knicks were doing business in the last five to eight years. And I think that video is contradicting those press releases. The Knicks will send a press release in a minute. Um, and I think that um, I think things are beginning to change. I just think that keep hurting people you keep you keep saying one thing and doing another um things change and i and i think what what's what's disheartening in this whole process is this we grew up watching the knicks um the knicks mm-hmm. the knicks i like patrick ewing john starks Derek harper the mm-hmm. late anthony mason um and even going into you know your playing days uh in, mm-hmm. in the league uh, where you had Sprewell, Allen Houston, um, Larry Johnson, and, and more. Like I'm sure, even though you played, you still paid attention to what the Knicks were going on, were doing for sentimental value. Like 
it's really about basketball. This is really a sideshow. Um, the Knicks have not gone to the playoffs since 2013. Uh, and I think that the focus needs to be something else. You know, you, 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 I'll say you reassigned um, Steve Mills, um, and and you still have Scott Perry, and you have Leon Rose in your in your organization. And, and it seems as though, you know, I think the difference now versus you, you know maybe the, the Charles Oakley thing is there was an expectation this summer um, that the Knicks were going to gather um, some guys, um, it, it being. Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant this summer. I can tell you Kyrie was never coming to the Knicks, never considered the Knicks. It made him from West Orange, New Jersey. He grew up watching the Knicks. His dad is from the South Bronx, so he, he wasn't going. But the KD thing was an expectation. And I think what's different now versus this time last year is I think Knicks fans are are, are, are diehard, are, are frustrated. You know, you, 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 you thought that you were going to bring Zion Williamson into the fold, into the promise, and that didn't happen. And I think now you're in a situation where um, even your biggest diehard, you done turned him away. If I was the Brooklyn Nets, I would publicly offer him season <laughs> tickets to the Barclays Center. Mm. You know, the, the, this, uh, Brandon, this is Roosevelt. The, the one thing that I felt was the most telling was Spike Lee said he, he, he came home. He had no intention of talking to anybody. He was just going to put it under his hat, kind of sit on let it simmer. And he walks in, and was it his son said that they had tweeted this? And then he immediately, you could see he was he was angry, and he wanted people to know. How many people in that situation don't have the, the pull to get an interview so people can actually find out what, what, what was said? And then he said, and I was here on Wednesday. I went in the same exit on Wednesday for, for another event. Man, something, something there, there's an old saying in the country, if it looks like a fish, smells like a fish, and has scales... It's a fish. Dad, going to this a fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean... I, I, and I, and you know, you you like even on Twitter. Like I, I've had this conversation with folks on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. By the way, shameless plug. Um, people were saying that Spike was entitled. Um, entitled. I feel, uh, entitled. I, I think that that. Most people couldn't even Wait, who was fathom. saying that? Wait, not, 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 not to cut you off. Who was saying that? Who was saying that? There, there were people Which people, within, specifically? Because well, I know there's when, not there's a certain people that say that. Diehard Nick fans didn't say that, right? N- no. It was people okay. who, who wished that they had $300 to buy tickets in the nosebleeds. It's never the people who were on his tax bracket. It's the people who wish they should have, could have, would have, but can't. Um, okay. And so when 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 those comments are made, I said I replied to a tweet. I said entitled. I said if I was if if I was the Knicks, I would give them the title and the deed to the daggone building. You talk about entitled. How many people can say that they can comfortably spend three hundred thousand dollars a year on tickets? He worked and earned his right to, to do that. And so right. in my mind, there's a bit of an undertone there, and I leave it like that. Um, I, I think that. Um, what gets lost in translation is um, if he's been doing the same thing for these many years and you pick mm-hmm. today to pick mm-hmm. with him, something's going on. I agree. 
And, and, he, and he said that. He was like, all you had to do is just send me an email. Send me a text. You have all my information. We're changing the door. You can't come in this door anymore. You got to go in this door. He was like, they never did that. And that's just, that is the epitome of the Knicks organization. And you, you, you kind of sideswiped it about who to blame. I'm still, I'm still rolling with the top that you blame the top. You know what I mean? Well, but I'll, I'll, I I'll go with you. I, I will say it's fishy. And I will say that for years, <laughs> And when you look at the Knicks organization from an organizational perspective, you just got rid of Steve Mills, right? Uh-huh. Mills wasn't fired. He was reassigned. You chased um, Phil Jackson. You chased Donnie Walsh. Donnie Walsh, one of the best executives ever, in my mind, basketball minds, out of New York City. You chased, and, and Mike D'Antoni, I, I wasn't really keen on his hiring, but he left uh-huh. New York and, and is doing better. He quit. In Houston. Hmm? He quit. Mike, Mike D'Antoni okay. quit. That's a whole different situation. He quit and got another job. Don't get me on another rant because that's a but, whole different situation. If you to quit no, and blame it all on Melo. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, but, that, but I even think the Melo thing, I think how that was handled is a, is a whole different story. I didn't like how that was handled. I, I just of course think that not. You, 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 you sent certain guys to do your dirty work, and then when it doesn't go the right way or you – it's always like you spin it to make it seem like it's you, it's them, not you. Even the way that the Kobe and Kyrie situation was handled, a situation where um, you said they basically they weren't they weren't on your level for you to even bring them in. Kyrie was never interested in coming. KD he was on the fence. Um, you look at a situation where you know there was talk that you, you, you go on the Michael K show and you say, yeah, there are people inquiring about you know Perth with the Knicks, this other turn, and, and and then after you say that in an interview, you have the interview deleted off of you know the Michael K show's YouTube, and then you flop in the summertime. You know, I've spoken to Knicks players who have privately said to me they love playing for the Knicks. I'm not going to name names. A few people have said it. They love mm-hmm. playing for the Knicks, but. They hate losing. It's the best city in the world, but they hate losing. So not only if, – if you're a free agent coming into this summer and you're looking to sign with the Knicks, right, or if a Knicks, the Knicks are interested in signing you, but you see how you you, you treat their, their, their number one fan who's a celebrity – you, you chase executives out. You chase you chase star players out like Melo. You chase them. You, you, you don't want them there. Why in God's name would I want to sign with you guys? I agree. Seriously. I, Why? I they, Listen, I listen. I agree a hundred percent what you're saying. I gotta, I gotta, ra- I gotta wrap it up. You know, I can sit here and talk Knicks for you with you for like two more hours. You know what I mean? But, I, but I will say, I will go back to it that you, you kept saying you, but you is the top person who is making all the decisions. All the other people who are empowered to make decisions still have to go through the top person. The top person is not like a figurehead. He's not like Lady Eloise. If you remember, like from Boomerang, he has mm-hmm. actual power. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he is involved in the everyday so he can't just say oh i have nothing to do with this but take all the good credit for things that go well but if any things that go bad he was like oh that wasn't me you can't do that Listen, all right but all right, all right let's, let, let me just let me <laughs> let me let you let me let you go i got i gotta let you go scoop we get all kind of wrapping up signs we're gonna go we're gonna talk some more you know what i mean because okay. there's a whole lot to unpack we need to do a whole new york Knicks show just a straight Knicks show because there's so much to unpack with it. But, hey, thanks for coming on the show again. Always much respect to you for all the stuff that you're doing. And we got to have you back. My man, I'll talk to you soon. That's what's up.
That's Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. Uh, that was fun listening to you guys go back and forth. Yeah, that, my bad. I saw the wrapping up sign like three or four times. I was like, dang, I just got to interject with this point because he just made this point. It's all uh, good. You know. It's all good. Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, that was good stuff. Uh, fun show today. If you missed it, it'll be podcasted uh, on ESPNSyracuse.com and on our iTunes and Google Play and Spotify uh, and Stitcher feeds and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Etan, Rosie, they'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I'm coming up with more on Orange Nation in just a moment here on ESPN ESPN Radio and Key Sports Talk on Twitch.